The RPG Caves Mana is fueled by patrons over at patreon.com slash Yumi Capri. And I want to say thanks to each and every one of our Patreon supporters for all of your support throughout the years, as well as supporting our independent content. And let's start with, I think, our premium producers, Dallas Ford, Lee Navarro, the fearless leader of the Phoenix Overdrive Extra Life team, and Jonathan Brown. You can find his content over at youtube.com slash PM Entertainment. Our platinum producers, Robbie Bobby Mailer and Trucker Sloth. And our gold members, Argo, Brendan Myers, Dallas Robbins, Emily O'Kelly, Heather Boney, James Johnson, Joel Brooks, Jose Jimenez, Mac Time, Benji Kong, Marcus O'Neill, RJ Kern, Dano, Skinny Matt, Mr. and Mrs. Nasty Boots, Foolish Fuji, and Xavier Reyes. Thank you all for all of your support. Now, let's clear these dungeons of some mobs. fellow travelers welcome to the 11th level of the rpg cave i am once again one of your hosts the level 99 human archmage ryan turford and i'm joined as always by the level 99 elf ranger mr garrett bland garrett how are you doing on this lovely saturday morning i am doing awesome again i have my second cup of coffee i'm grinding away monster hunter rise i got the okami uh layered palamute skin and that looks dope so I'm I'm back into the Monster Hunter craze, man. It's it's both Monster Hunter stories too and Rise. I'm just Monster Hunter fan right now. This you just summer, got re-energized so. from our talk about Monster Hunter like two weeks e- ago. Exactly. So it's been fun. Clearly, fun. clearly. Although I'm actually surprised because uh, we were talking about this off air, but we're recording a little bit earlier than normal, and you're already on a second cup of coffee. I love it. I love. I it. mean, it's eleven. It's time. Yeah, it's true. Well, anyways, <laughs> let's clear the dungeon of these pesky mobs because we want to, you know, get to the boss. You know, um, of course. If you like what we do, you want to support the show. There's a number of ways to do that. Of course, you can subscribe to us on your podcast feed of choice. We're on Spotify, Google Podcasts, Apple Podcasts all that good stuff. If you leave us a five-star review on Apple Podcasts, we will read it on the show. Also, you can watch our show, like I see our beautiful faces over at youtube.com slash Yumi Capri. Um, a lot of people <laughs> noticed in the middle of the night that a whole bunch of uh, RPG game episodes went up last night, Garrett. It was just because, randomly. <laughs> well, yeah, just randomly. But it, because, it was because we actually um, cleared off the old YouTube channel yesterday. Oh, um, okay, So I, cool. I, I finished moving all the episodes over. So they actually, they awesome. they all just popped up in the middle of the night last night in, in kind of celebration with our newest episode about indie games. Um, so you can go check us out there. Of course, yeah. like, subscribe, share with all your friends, you know, do all the things the YouTubers tell you to do, of course. Last but not least, we got a whole bunch of questions this episode. Um, but if you would like to awesome. have your questions read on the show, um, you can, of course, leave us content comments on the YouTube video. Um, and if you leave a question there, we'll actually read it on the show. In addition to that, we put up a question post over on our Twitter at the RPG Cave every single uh, Friday. Um, and you can just leave your questions there. Or if you join the Yumi mm-hmm. and Capri Discord, um, which is in the link in the show notes, which is free to join. Um, you can join us there and leave your questions in the RPG Cave channel. I wanted to bring that up as well, rather than like bring it up throughout the show, because again, we got a billion questions this week, which is awesome. 
huge thank you to everyone who submitted questions this week. Thank because you. this week's episode, Garrett, I don't know if you knew this, but oh. it's about the Mana series. That is kind oh. of the, the topic what? of discussion for this we're talking about that. show. Now, this is a series that I'm very familiar with, but I know mm-hmm. Garrett isn't as familiar with, uh, so you're going to have to deal with me kind of, you know, talking away <laughs> on this one. But uh, I think it's going to be a fun episode because I think the Mana series has started to kind of like come back and kind of have a resurgence as of late. It has? Yeah. Okay. I mean, we well, we went from having literally zero games in the Mana series oh, that's being true. released each year to, hey, there's a new Mana game like every year now. So um, uh, okay. I, I think uh, not only that, but the games are selling much better than they actually used to. So um, I think mm. that it was kind of the perfect time to talk about this, especially because we just got um, Legend of Mana just got re-released on, That's true. on Switch, um, as mm-hmm. well as uh, they, we got some other announcements that we're going to talk about a little bit later. So I'm going to hit you with, of course, our usual quick facts about uh, the series that we're talking about this week. So Hand first up. 16 total games in the main series, including spinoffs, remakes, and collections. This also includes mobile games, um, because surprisingly, mm. out of all of Square Enix's uh, properties, the, the one property they wanted to experiment the most with with mobile is actually the Mana series, which is which actually surprised me while doing some research, especially because almost all these games we didn't get here in North America. They're almost all... Uh, Japanese-related mobile games. So that's why it doesn't feel as much to us. Now, of course, the Mana series is also known as the Seiken Densetsu series. That's kind of the the title of the series in Japan. The Seiken Densetsu Mm -hmm. name in Japan was trademarked all the way back in 1989 as it was being used for an upcoming Famicom Disk System title. That's right. We're talking about the Famicom Disk System again for like the second time in multiple episodes called The Emergence of Excalibur, which was being developed by Final Fantasy creator Hironobu Sakaguchi. This was before Final Fantasy came out, uh, before uh, he had finished working on that game. This game, however, never actually ended up releasing on the Famicom disk system. So essentially, they just shelved the second Densetsu name. They had trademarked it. They they put it all together. Mm. But in the end, this game kind of failed. And they basically told everyone in Japan instead, just go buy Final Fantasy instead. Because (laughs) that's what Sakaguchi was working on. (laughs) Because that's our last hope. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. Um, And they really want people to buy it for, you know, the sake of the company. Because for those that don't know the story of the original Final Fantasy, that was kind of like, they're like, that they're uh, the game that we're really banking on to kind of save Square Enix from, you know, financial ruin. Um, mm-hmm. They've been around for a while, but they, they really needed, you know, that game to kind of hit. So yeah. with the name being shelved, eventually there was a, a game for the Game Boy um, coming out in Whoa. 1991 called Gemma Knights. That's what they had kind of called it in, in development. But they're like, you know what? We've got this second Detsetsu name just sitting around. Why, why don't we throw that on top of this name, and, and instead of calling it Gemma Knights, let's call it Second Detsetsu. So mm-hmm. the very first mana game in the mana series was called Second Detsetsu Final Fantasy Gaiden, and it was released in Japan on June 28th, 1991 on Game Boy. It was later released that same year in November as Final Fantasy Adventure here in North America. So it didn't even right. have the mana name the first for the first game in the series here in North America, which was interesting. Uh, when it came time for the sequel, though, because, they, again, this was kind of like sur- supposed to be kind of like a spinoff of Final Fantasy, um, they wanted to actually spin it off into its own series, and that's how we ended up having the Mana series be its own thing. So mm-hmm. Second Dead Setsu 2, a.k.a. Secret of Mana, for those of us here in North America, 
released in Japan on August 6, 1993, and October 3rd, 1993, in North America on the SNES. And then it got a sequel, Second Dead Set 2 3, aka Trials of Mana here in North America, mm-hmm. on the Super Famicom on September 30th, 1995. However, this version of the game alive. never came out in North America. It was Japan oh, okay. only for whatever reason. Um, we eventually, for the very first time, got a re-release of this with an actual I- official English translation on the collection of Amanda, which just came out like three years ago here in North America. So very recent, yeah. Yeah, so it, it was the very first time people in North America were getting a chance to get that game, and that, and that was the last uh, game they released on the Super Nintendo. And then after that, we got Legend of Mana, which I talked about before. We just got the, the remake of on PS1 on July 15th, 1999 in Japan, but w- almost a year later in North America on June mm. 6th, 2000. So That's what they do. That was kind of the end of the mainline Mana series. Um, from there, we, they had um, the World of Mana spinoff where they decided to release four Mana games back to back in 2006 and and late 2007 um and they tried a whole bunch of different stuff with the series like they had a Mm real-time strategy game they had a card battling game um they had an i like a a a phone game i almost said ios game but this was like 2006 so we were still in (laughs) flip phone era era, uh for phone (laughs) games and that razor (laughs) and then and then they had um children of mana which was on the ds um, mm-hmm. which was just your, your more standard mana action RPG experience. So um, cool. that's kind of where they, where they went from there. And then the series kind of went dormant from there because eventually we got uh, the return of the series in 2013 with Circle of Mana, um, which was another card game. And then nice. a year later, we got another um, Japanese mobile game with Rise of Mana in 2014. And then that was it for the series. I mean, we didn't, uh, that, that wasn't until we got, started to get remakes of all the original games. So um, we got 2016's remake of Adventures of Mana on PS Vita, and um, I think it came out on PS3 as well. Um, oh, really? Okay. And then we got the, the Secret of Mana remake, the, the Collection of Mana, the Trials of Mana remake, which just came out uh, last year. And then, of course, the Legend of Mana remaster that came out this year. So yeah. that is the, the timeline for the Mana series. Um, now, for those that are new to the Mana series, like Garrett, and, and maybe uh, want to know, yeah. <laughs> you know what, what, is, what is interesting about this series, what is the whole point of the Mana series? So the Mana series essentially was meant to be Square Enix's answer to The Legend of Zelda in a lot of ways, where um, okay. it, was, it had a, like all of the games very much, uh, uh, with some exceptions that we'll get into a little bit later, are 2D isometric games, um, where you you play as one to three characters, depending on the game, and you go around, mm-hmm. and it's essentially like a, a hack and slash kind of adventure exploration game. Again, just like the Zelda games w- were. Um, some key differences, though, with the Mana games versus Zelda, and, and one of the things that I know kind of turns some people off from the series um, mm-hmm. is you're attacking. So, for example... Um, a lot of characters have like melee weapons like swords or, or spears and whatnot. Um, but as you attack, there's a little power bar on the bottom of your screen um, mm-hmm. that, that'll go between zero and 100%. And each time you swing your sword or your axe or whatever weapon you're using, that power bar will fill up. But it'll it'll fill up it, it, not instantly, but within like a couple seconds. However, mm-hmm. if you press the attack button again, while that power bar is filling up, you'll attack at whatever percentage that power bar has reached 
during that time frame. So you can either okay. uh, mix up your attacks by doing like quicker attacks that deal less damage or more powerful attacks that are slower. That, that was kind of the idea behind it, which again, if you're, you come from, you know, uh, link between like a uh, link to the past, for example, uh, where you can swing your sword, like it, you just have like a canned animation so you can swing as many times as you want within that time frame, yes. And it all does the same amount of damage to this system, which is again, trying to be like Zelda, but doing something weirdly different with it. Um, different it's a bit of a turn it, yeah. off for some people. Um, okay. Which is why like in some of the later games, they actually decided kind of to, nix this system altogether but it's just interesting to think about when you kind of go back and play these games now versus versus when they came out so mm-hmm. we actually got um a question now from the legend of west 3dp at 3dp and he asks playing through the collection of mana right now on switch i've been messing uh missing the end of secret of mana did any of you guys grow up playing this or did you play it later in life? It could be brutally hard and confusing on where to go. Also, I wanted to share the names of the characters that I had for Secret of Meta. He named his characters Zygarde, Krista, and Lucifer. So the reason I wanted to bring this question in, which is a random kind of mm-hmm. Secret of Mana question, is because I wanted to talk about where I started with the Mana series okay. and, and go from there. So Secret of Mana is actually where I got my start on the Super Nintendo. I remember um, we we had seen kind of um, images uh, for, of the game in Nintendo Power because they kind of had this like big kind of marketing push for this game in Nintendo Power. So um, there were guides, there were all, there were all kinds of write ups for the game before it came out. Um, and I remember being kind of kind of excited about this one. Um, so I remember we rented it from uh, from the store one day one weekend and we played the heck out of it. We didn't really get very far, much to the le- legend of uh, West 3DP's point because it was a very difficult game. Uh, especially if you didn't know where you're going or at the time I would just, I feel like I wasn't as good at, at these type of games as I am now. Um, mm-hmm. So it was a little bit hard to, and confusing kind of where to go, but that was kind of where I got my start with the mana series is um, just renting secret of mana one day and kind of playing it from there. Um, and then when it came time to play other games in the mana series, as I talked about most of them, you know, we didn't really get in North America. Um, and the one I, played after that was Second Setsu 3, a.k.a. Trials of Mana, uh, because through, mm-hmm. like, emulation through a fan pa- translation because oh, we essentially wow. didn't have... Because remember, this game didn't come out in North America, so the mm-hmm. only way to play it was through, um, through a fan translation because I remember being on, like, a ROM site back in, like, 1996 wondering, what nice. the heck, <laughs> what is this Secret of Mana 2? I only know about Secret of Mana 1, and I love that game. That game was great. Um, so, so I ended up actually downloading it from, from the ROM site, which again, there was a, a translation patch available for it right away and, uh, and played it and loved it. Like I, I really liked that game. What was cool about that game was, um, the, you actually had six main protagonists for the story. Um, but you were only allowed to select three to kind of form like your, whatever your ideal party was. Mm-hmm. And then the other three were kind of like weaved into the story somehow, but essentially the game's story would change depending on which characters you selected as your main party. You'd even select, like, who the main protagonist was. Um, oh, and wow. then you kind of played their backstory, um, and then it kind of tells you the other the backstory of your other two party members as you meet up with them, um, which I thought was, like, really interesting and kind of unique for, you mm-hmm. know, a JRPG at the time. So that's kind of where I got my start with, with the Mana series. But while I take a drink of water, Garrett, because I've been talking for a long time, <laughs> I don't want to get you, you involved in the conversation as well. Um, <laughs> have you played 
any of the mana games at all? Have you ever been interested in them? I'm curious to know what your take is on this. So my impressions with the Mono series is it's a series that I it was way before my time ever into like RPGs and JRPGs in general. Like I played Pokemon and then I probably heard the Mono series probably in the mid 2000s. I'm like, oh, that's a, that's an old series from Japan. All right. I'm I'm kind of just out of sight, out of mind. So I did not play much of the Mono series, but I am paying attention more and more with the remakes, mm -hmm. and I'm glad they're doing the remakes to like introduce us to the series more and more. Mm -hmm. uh, so I do have the collection of Mana on Switch, and then I also have the newest. Um, I think it's is it Trials of Mana? Yeah, the remake or? that came out last year. Yeah. Yes, yes, I have that on Switch as well, and that's I, and I played a good probably three or four hours of it, and it's really fun. Mm -hmm. um, but it's a series that has never, I, I mean, when I was young, I never paid attention to at all. So um, it's been very um, convoluted to me. It's been confusing to me because when you introduce all these games and everything, mm -hmm. and it's like wow, it, it's even more complex and elaborate than I ever thought it would. I didn't know how much relation it had with Final Fantasy in general. Um, it, it looks like a completely different set of characters and style. Um, mm -hmm. I like how high fantasy it is too, um, but I just was at pause of like, where do I start? And where do I go? Uh, with these games, but I think I, I'm having a good start now with the collection of Mana and the in the Trials of Mana's yeah, uh, games on Switch. And mm -hmm. that brings in famous Seamus over on Discord. Yeah, uh, the fam the most famous of all Seamuses. He asks the question: What is the best entry point to get someone into the Mana series? So this is a nice mm -hmm. segue into kind of uh, also give some introductions as well to to where you should start. So as far as the Mana games are concerned, I actually have, believe it or not two different answers depending on your current situation, whatever uh, you've got going on. If you're going to play solo or if you're going to play co-op, because one thing that people oh. don't know about the Mana series or, or might have missed is that the Mana series is also mostly known for co-op, for local co-op, because for most of the games, you can actually play one to three players local co-op with your friends. Um, because That's the, cool. Because you have to remember, as I kind of talked about before, this was their answer to Legend of Zelda. So imagine a standard Zelda game, Garrett, but with multiple mm -hmm. players. So when you're playing by yourself, these characters are controlled by the AI. But if you have multiple friends together, you can actually play multiplayer together, which is really cool. Mm -hmm. um, so, but if you have someone else to play with, what I would say is that you should actually pick up the collection of mana on Switch and then try Secret of Mana um, with, with going back to what I was talking about with the Legend of West 3DP's point before. Because I think uh, Secret of Mana, despite it being a little bit confusing um, when you first played it back in you know the early 90s, um, number one, mm -hmm. I think there's a lot of great guides for it now. But number two, if you don't want to play with a guide, um, I think that modern games have really trained us to be a little bit better at that game or, or, or be able to figure out where to go a little bit easier, I mm -hmm. think. I think, it's, I think get, revisiting, like playing that game now is going to be a lot easier for people to go with. And the reason why I say if you have multiple players to start with that one is because that one actually has fantastic local co-op if you play, okay. with, you play with other people. Like it's really fun to play as all three characters and go around and, and just have fun. And if you have a Switch with, you know, three sets of Joy-Cons, it's actually really easy to put together versus if you wanted to play three player co-op on the Super Nintendo, you had to get a multi-tap and then somehow get three oh, controllers, yeah. which um, was always a pain for, for Super Nintendo games. Um, so I would definitely say if you've got 
local people to play with. I think Super Secret of Mana is actually a great choice to of as to where to start with. However, if you're playing by yourself, I would actually recommend not to start with those games because um, mm-hmm. the problem is, um, as I mentioned, the, your AI, your companions are played by the AI, but your the mm-hmm. AI your companions can be a little. Um, uh, silly sometimes. Yeah, they can be dumb. Yeah. They walk into walls all the time and get killed all the nice. time. You kind of have to babysit them. So my my response then, if you're playing by yourself, is actually to play Trials of Mana, like you actually uh, talked about earlier, Garrett, trying that out that one on Switch, because um, I think that game is fantastic. It was one of my favorite it's, games it's very last solid. year, and um, it's a solid single-player experience. Again, that you can actually play that one multiplayer as well, but it gets a bit tricky um, because you lose some of the frame rate and stuff like that. It's, it's so I, I would say mm-hmm. not to try that one with multiplayer. So um, the older games, though, if you will have multiple people to play with, I think it's actually a really fun experience to go back and play some of the older mana games or even something like um, Trials of Mana, the original one um, in the collection mm-hmm. of mana would also be a great place to start if you've got friends um, for the same for the reasons I talked about. But obviously, if you the I think probably one of the best ways to actually play that game is actually with the with the modern version of the game. So there you go. Those are kind of nice. my recommendations for where, where to start. And to your point, Garrett, as I kind of was l- talking about with the facts, like especially with a series like this, like it's very like complex because there's so many like they really experimented with this series and they tried a whole bunch of stuff. They really stuff. did. And, and remember what I talked about going back to the Chrono Trigger episode as well, because like that was also supposed to be part of the series too <laughs> at one point like that was yeah. kind of the idea so just think about how different like these these rpgs i'm kind of describing are to some of the like, chrono trigger or even throwing in like card games and stuff like that so yeah it could be a little bit daunting with a series like this to try and figure out you know where where should i jump in but kind of like final fantasy as well like none of these games are, are canonically linked together or anything like that okay so you don't have to worry about you know going back and playing the old games uh, to kind of figure out where to start. Um, also, I will say if you want to play any of the older releases, um, like adv- like the the first game, like Final Fantasy Adventure, uh, the one that came out on Game Boy, just play the mm-hmm. remake of that on Vita because it actually had like a really good remake oh, on okay. Vita uh, called Legend of Mana, which I talked about a little bit earlier. Really fantastic remake, and I, I highly encourage people to check that out if they want to, you know, see the the very first game in the series. Um, as mm-hmm. for the second game in the series, I'm actually going to bring in Mike at Blaze Knight 0923. And he asks the question, why do you think the Secret of Mana PS4 slash PC exclusive remake was so poorly received by the fan base? It looked great to me. And the, the uh, on the sidelines, no PS4 or powerful PC. So um, the, they did do a remake of Secret of Mana because they've basically done a remake now of pretty much all of these games mm-hmm. at this point. However, the Secret of Mana remake uh, was contentious for people because it had these, they went for this weird kind of graphical style because the original game was, was pixel art on the Super Nintendo, okay. which still looks amazing today if you go back and play it. Whereas they did, went for this like, I wouldn't say cheap looking 3D style, but the, it was definitely like, oh, okay. it, it definitely feels kind of low budget PC style, like almost like it was kind of meant for mobile at first. And then they just kind of ported mm-hmm. it to PC like that. That's kind of the vibe I, I get from from playing that game, um, combined with the fact that they they changed combat in a way that if you went back and played the original games and then went to, you know, the remake of, of Secret of Mana, they were not mm-hmm. combat changes that were made for the better. Like there was a little bit more latency put into the game. Like it, it just didn't feel good to control that game. Um, versus okay. playing the the original games, it's it's not like what they did with Trials of Mana, where I think they they really improved that experience 
with that remake. But um, the the Definitely. Secret of Mana remake. It was, uh, it was something. It's rough. Yeah, it's rough. Again, I think it's perfectly playable for anyone who didn't play the original game. I think like it's probably okay. fine, but at the same time, you might not come away with it with a positive experience. Versus someone like me who's played all the Mana games, like I would never go back and play that game because um, I played it when it came out because I wanted to give it a chance, and uh, mm-hmm. it was rough. So uh, that's all I would say. Again, from the outside though, Mike, if you never you know tried these games or um, if you you never got a chance to put your hands on the controller with it. I can understand why you might feel like, you know, from the sidelines, it might feel like it's okay, but uh, as someone who played it, it's it's a little bit rough. So that's why the fan base kind of gives it a little bit of... Okay. Of, of uh, Ryan, I have a, just a question about just in general, all these remakes and originals and stuff like that. Do you think these remakes, like, I, I know, like, The Trials of Mana is better, and now you just mentioned uh, The Secret of Mana. Does it, like... You, you say play these instead of the classics, but are they are they really different games? Because I feel like the Trials of Mana remake is a completely different game than what I'm thinking of when I look back at these older games. Um, should we try more of the classic games to get the feel of the original Mana, uh, I don't know, series feel to it compared to the remakes? So that's a good question. And, and like I said, it's, it's kind of on a game-by-game basis. Like Secret of Mana, okay. for example, is the type of game where I would say absolutely play the original over the remake okay like by far like there's no reason to I, I like that that one's hard to recommend for the remake and trials of mana believe it or not garrett even though it seems like it might actually be a different game it's actually yeah. very 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 faithful to the original like more so than okay. most other remakes i've ever played um because they did add some content um once you kind of like they added some post-game content but for the most part the content's unchanged um the level design is unchanged other than the fact that you're exploring it in a 3d space um the only interesting the only main changes they really made to it are with the combat um because they kind of removed for example the power meter meter i talked about um like Mm -hmm. they have it for you being able to to continue to do some special attacks uh, which we'll talk to more when we get to kind of mechanics um Mm -hmm. but they actually but uh, for the most part other than tooling around with some of the combat and then making all obviously making the fights work in 3d it's pretty much the same game to the old game mm-hmm. down to the map, which is exactly the same. So wow. it's actually a more th- faithful port than you would have actually assumed. Uh, so um, I actually think that they kind of handled that the same way with uh, the Legend of Mana remake that they did on Vita as well, um, where they did something similar with it, even though they didn't put it in 3D, even though it's a still a 2D game. Um, they cut, just made a bunch of quality of life improvements that actually really improved the experience. Um, okay. So that's why I think that one's also like a good remake to go to, especially because the game, like play, going back and playing an old Game Boy game, Garrett, I don't know if you, how much Game Boy you've played recently, <laughs> but a lot of those games don't really hold up all that well. Again, like we, we <laughs> you know, we really love playing them back in the day because it was a, a way for us to play game, like play games in the car. Um, like it was a novel concept and, and we love playing those mm-hmm. games portably and, and don't get me wrong. There are still some Game Boy games that really hold up well today. But this was not one of them. Um, like it was, mm. it was very much a product of the time, and it's definitely much harder to go back to um, that version of the game. So, uh, okay, yeah. So it, 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 I, I would say it's on the game by game basis more than just a blank slate of hey, all the remakes for all these games are better. Play those instead. Um, and then the Legend of uh, um, port that just came out on Switch um, from the PS1 version is essentially just the same game. They just basically just okay. ported the game over with very minimal changes other than just yeah i can tell a little bit of visual 
polish, but for the most part, it's exactly the same game. The pixel remasters. <laughs> yeah, exactly. But um, that's one game, too, that, like, even though it was a PS1 game, and we t- we've talked about it on the show a few times, or, I mean, people talk about it all the time. PS1 games, too, because it's kind of that early generation of 3D games. Some of those games are really hard to go back to um, as well. Like, if you yes. go back and play, like, some of the RPGs at the time. Or, Garrett, you're currently playing one right now. You're playing Final Fantasy VII. I am. Uh, the original. Um, as you know, it's not perfect, you know, going back to a game like that. It, like, it's harder to go back to a PlayStation 1 game nowadays. But... Legend of Mana was a 2D game that just happened to be on the PlayStation. So um, I see. that game all, all already worked very well, which is why when they did kind of the, the, the remake in quotations of it, um, they didn't really do much with it because it already was a game that kind of played pretty well already. So mm-hmm. that's where we're at with that. Also, um, I forgot to bring in once again the Legend of West 3DP at <laughs> West 3DP again, which asked the question, how do you feel about the remakes compared to the originals, which we just talked about here. Um, yes. Also, I wanted to point out as well, the original Mana game, um, Final Fantasy Adventure or Adventures of Mana, that game also got another remake. So it's been actually been remade twice because there was a, a remake on Game Boy Advance of it called Sword of Mana. Which, and that remake's oh, fine okay. too. Um, but I don't think it's as good as the Vita version. And plus, come on, who doesn't want to play games on their Vita, Garrett? Let's, Get let's back on your Vita, folks. I mean, there's still Keep a lot of games on there. So let's talk about the, the combat mechanics and kind of a little bit about how this game works. Um, again, as I alluded to before, it's meant to be like The Legend of Zelda. Um, but the way the camera works in this game, instead of kind of being a top-down game like a lot mm-hmm. of the Zelda games are, this one's like the, the camera's like almost on its side. So you're seeing like the full model of the characters as they run yes. from side to side. Um, that's one of the main differences between you know something like this and Zelda. Um, mm-hmm. so, but again, it's, it's meant to have kind of the same feel, like, uh, you have your melee attacks, um, but depending on the game, you also have a range of different weapons. Um, and for example, in Secret of Mana, you unlock seven different weapons throughout your journey and each of them have a bunch of different, you know, ranges and attack speeds and stuff like that. Um, like for example, you'll have a whip, which will attack mm-hmm. from a farther distance, but deals less damage. Um, or you'll have like a, a boomerang, which you can throw out people. And it does some mm-hmm. damage, um, but again, it's kind of weaker and it's more of a ranged attack to your st- traditional like swords and spears and stuff like that. And, and um, the way that leveling kind of works in this game um, and, and as well for some of the other mana games as well is that you instead you level your character, but you also level the weapons up as you go. And, nice. And so you kind of instead of unlocking new weapons, you, you have like once you have unlocked a new weapon type, it kind of just stays with you throughout the experience. Mm-hmm. But that level kind of that weapon kind of levels up along with you and then kind of changes shape and stuff like that as you kind of level. Oh, that's cool. Which is interesting. Um, whereas some of the other mana games, for example, like Trials of Mana, when they did kind of the remake of that, um, they kind of removed that whole system and then just had you, mm-hmm. you know, go to the store and buy weapons and armor that way. Um, so the, oh, okay. they, they've kind of changed things up. Along the way, um, but again, like I said before, kind of the main mechanic in combat was kind of the power meter. Um, in addition to it kind of affecting your main attacks, you can also um, charge up attacks as well by holding down like the okay. A button on, in most games. Um, and then you can do like a powerful swing or likewise, um, as you go through combat, you'll um, earn points towards a, a separate power gauge. And once that fills up to mm-hmm. 100%, you'll get like a, 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 a level. So level one, two, or three. And then as you progress through the game, you'll earn uh, like ultimate abilities as well that also use that mm-hmm. meter as well. So um, for example, like in Trials of Mana, 
you all your characters start with a level one attack, which is kind of like um, an enhanced version of their main attack. But as you mm -hmm. go through the game, you'll unlock level two and level three kind of special abilities. And as you use them, uh, you'll like the, the level threes are they cause like crazy devastating attacks. And you're able mm -hmm. to use them just as you, you know, do combat like you're not really it's they're almost like the limit breaks in final fantasy 7 in a lot of ways they, they don't stop combat um but they're they're meant to be kind of these big powerful attacks big um, animation type of yeah going for some on, of them. especially or, in the trials of mana yeah. remake they kind of went all out with some of the animations for those which was cool cool yeah awesome um i have a question it's just like it sounds more i mean it does sound legend of zelda ish but it also reminds me of just like the yeast series the tales series like yeah. do you are those series kind of like borrowed those elements from the mono series you think yeah i think that especially tales in particular which came out after yeah. after mana did it i think they they heavily borrowed from that but the difference between uh tales and uh the mana series is that in in tales you go into this little combat arena once you actually that's true um, yeah uh run into enemies and they've kept that up throughout the entire tale series including the yeah. new one that's coming out um, whereas the Mana series, everything is not everything is done on the the world itself, like on the open world. Okay. So you you see all the enemies on the world, and you attack them on the open world, just like you would in in a game like Zelda. Um, the, cool. The E series is a little bit different as well, um, but but I think these games are are a little bit closer to the tr the, the the Tales games in a lot of ways as well. That's for, true. For yeah, very much so. so. Yeah. Yeah. That's kind of where where I think that those fit in there. Um, as far as uh, other mechanics are concerned, um, you actually have all your characters in the, the mana series have classes. Um, they, they basically start with like a base yeah. class. But then as you kind of level your character, um, usually at certain points in the experience, you can then branch your character class in like two different directions, either light or oh, dark. Oh, that sounds good. And then... From there, as you continue to level on, you can branch those classes even further. So there will be actually um, in Trials of Mana, for example, um, each of your your you'll branch into two different classes and then you'll have four like ultimate classes. Um, and then you'll have to choose between either dark, like dark one or dark two or light one and light two. And then, oh, that sounds so cool. Yeah. And then you I love that. I love multi classes. It just just in general from an MMO feel. OK, I think I need to pay attention more to this game. Especially now. <laughs> like in Trials of Mana in particular, like if you play the remake, because like you get like total like wardrobe changes and stuff like that. But more nice. so like the characters play completely differently. Kind of depending on like wow. what character class you go down to, which is which is really mm -hmm. interesting. Um, like Duran in, in in Trials of Mana, for example, he's like a melee sword fighter, and like on the light side of the tree, he focuses more on like healing magic or um, like having like defensive abilities. But if you go down the dark path with him, he like ha gets a bunch of like sword buffing mechanics that, that like wow. allow him to like cast like you know ice sword or fire sword depending on kind of the enemy's weakness. Um, and then you kind of explain that more. And if you go in like dark two, he's like, he basically throws all his defense out the window and he's like kind of this like super like overpowered fighter, but he dies really easily. Like he almost becomes mm -hmm. like a glass cannon character versus kind of his like total light side uh, uh, class where he's like a paladin. So he's like superly defensive and he's got a whole bunch of like healing magic and stuff like that. So it's like wow, a really so interesting weird. class design. Yeah. Yeah. And they do that for like all the characters in that game. So. Uh, I always thought that that was really cool. And again, that's in some of the games, but not all the games, because, again, they really like experimented with this series and tried a whole bunch of yes. different stuff. Um, so the, so from game to game, like 
other than uh, Secret of Mana and Trials of Mana, those are the two games that feel like almost like intimately connected other than the story. But the other games mm-hmm. in the series just le- like feel wildly different from that because um, in Legend of Mana, um, what they did with that game is instead of exploring kind of this big open world, you have to find like these like tile pieces of the world as you kind of um, do different quests that mm-hmm. allow you to basically build the world map using these tiles that you find that affect and depending on what tiles you find it affects where you go and what quests you can take on or where you can experience the story which is just kind of mm. weird and goofy but there's like no, no other rpg like it because like how often do you find like like rpgs where you're basically building like the world in whatever like, form you want to to go explore it yeah like it, i've that's fourth wall stuff yeah like, which is I can't think of any other game kind of kind of crazy. So, yeah, they really like experimented with the series and done all kinds of like weird stuff like that. So mechanically, there's not a lot of mechanics that kind of persist between all the games, except for the ones I kind of alluded to, because for the most part, for most of mm-hmm. the, the the 2D games or even Trials of Mana, they kind of kept the combat system, you know, pretty much the same across all the games. Um, and as far as like story similarities, like if there's any between any of the games, usually somewhere along the line, there's a tree of mana and a sword of mana and they have something to do with the story whether it's in secret of mana <laughs> at the very beginning the the character that you play as accidentally picks up the, the sword of mana and it basically unleashes like all of the evil into the world um to trials of mana where you're basically trying to make your way back to the mana tree to kind of like you know save the world from you know all of the mana dying out and the world kind of dying so um hmm. they it, it, it kind of go they kind of play with those um those elements in a bunch of different ways. But again, it's not there. It's not really consistent across the series, um, especially with like something like Final Fantasy, where there's like consistencies across all the games, like all the games have chocobos or all the games have boogles and stuff. Yeah. Like that. Whereas the mana games aren't like that. You do fight some similar em- enemies across the games, but for the most part, it's pretty much the same. Like they, they, all the games are very different from each other, I should say. I see. Yeah. Uh, another question for the Mana series. It sounds a lot more combat heavy. Yeah. Is there any puzzles or, or trials or anything like that in these quests, or is it more combat exploration type of? It's more uh, combat exploration stuff. Ranking. There are some puzzles because you will go into dungeons, similar to Zelda, okay. and you you're not. But it's different than Zelda because you're not like unlocking an item that will help you get through that dungeon either. Like you're not going to unlock the hook shot to go get you through this area that right. requires the hook shot. Like it's nothing like that. Um, but there are some puzzles like you have to move some some blocks around or kind of figure okay. out how to like like where to go, uh, get some switches to unlock different areas and stuff like that. It's more simple stuff like it's nothing complex okay. or anything like that. So let's talk about where the mana series is going to go from here, Garrett, because um, obviously kind of with this like almost like resurgence of the mana series, they haven't really done a new game in the series at all. Um, they, yeah. And I wanted to bring in. Gilgamesh of Alveria at Gilgamesh Alveria. I hope I said it correctly, Gilgamesh. If not, you can leave comments in the, the comments about how I should pronounce <laughs> this correctly. Um, and Gilgamesh also talked about Secret of Mana as well. So Secret of Mana was the first RPG I got really got into when I was a kid. And because of that, it holds a strong place in my heart as my favorite game in the series. With all the recent release we have been seeing, do you think a new Mana game is on the way, and if so, what do you mm. think it will look like? So, good news, Gilgamesh. Earlier this year, in fact, actually like a month ago, they actually had this 30th anniversary live stream 
for the miniseries because this year is the 30th anniversary of the series. And mm-hmm. um, basically they announced at this um, live stream that a new game from the miniseries is confirmed to be in development for consoles sometime soon. They said it's a little bit far away, so it might be a year or two away at this mm-hmm. point. Um, but it, there is one coming. And it's going to be an original game, they said. So it's not going to be a remake. Cool. Not going to be anything like that. Like, it's going to be a brand new game in the series, which I, for one, am super excited about. Because this is something I've been wanting them to do forever. Because I have really liked the Mana games. Um, and I really like Trials of Mana. And I, I like the formula they had with that game. Um, like, the, the mm-hmm. remake of Trials of Mana. So I would love to see them do, like, a new original game. Kind of in that style. Like, I think that would be awesome. Yeah. Like, I really liked uh, the combat in that game, the exploration, all that stuff was great. And if they can do another 3D game like that, uh, yeah, I think it would be a lot of fun. So um, that's kind of what I'm hoping it will do, where I just hope it's, uh, again, another brand new set of characters, um, like a whole new world kind of thing. Like, it's something that's not really connected to the original games um, that, again, has that, that same style and feel. So that's kind of what I'm hoping for. Uh, Garrett, dare I ask, do, do, is there <laughs> anything in particular you'd like to see, especially from someone from the outside in particular? Because I think um, your opinion yeah. holds a lot of weight as to kind of where they should go for the series and kind of how they win over new people. Like, wh- what do you think they should do with the, the main series with a new game? I, I mean, I think you're right on the money with that because I, I played a little bit of Trials of Mana and it doesn't feel like a, a, the remake. I, it doesn't feel like that game came from like the, a remake from the 90s or, or whatever. It, it feels fresh. It feels new. So if they do a brand new original game with that same formula, that art style and the, the way they go through um, that exploration or whatever, I would be totally down with it as well. Um, so I, it's just a matter of me catching up on these other games too. Um, but yeah, um, that, that's one thing I'm thinking about. I'm also curious about these card battling (laughs) real time strategy. This seems like way left field. Have you ever looked at these games? Have you even touched them? Uh, I'm just curious. So admittedly, (laughs) I've never played them. I I never actually played because they were on DS and they were a little bit harder to find than uh, yeah. some other DS games. Because as you probably remember, Garrett, like some, some games on DS would have like huge printings and other ones would not. And these just happen to be very much so. of the games that didn't have huge printings. So um, okay. if you go and try and find them now, they're actually kind of expensive. Um, so, uh, well, yeah. I have other mains. <laughs> yeah, so at this point, I haven't actually played any of them. Um, also, uh, one of them was on phones in Japan only. Oh, okay. okay. So I don't know how you're going to so, go play that one either. But uh, no, I'm definitely not. <laughs> yeah. But like there was all, again, like the real time strategy one, for example, was on DS. And again, it was just one that just did not have like a huge printing here in North America. I want to just see that on YouTube and see if I can grab a ROM out of that somewhere. Yeah. And just I'm sure try it's that probably fun. Re- like a real time strategy on a DS. Yeah. I, I, I don't think I've, I've heard too much of those games. Yeah, exactly. So. Like most of them are turn-based strategy games like Advance Wars or um, Age of Empires or whatnot. In fact, yes. Age of Empires was a real-time strategy game on PC <laughs> that they converted to a turn-based strategy game for consoles. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So that's kind of interesting. Yeah. So, so there you go. I think that's kind of going to do it for our discussion on the Mana series. But Garrett, the show's not over because we got more questions. The show's not over. If you can believe that. Um, so, of course, we're going to bring back in Gilgamesh, because they actually had another question. And this was more um, for last week's show, but uh, it just 
kind of missed the cutoff for when we recorded it, but we wanted to include it here as well. Um, this has to do with indie stuff. So if I'm not too late, mm-hmm. what is one unique thing that you have seen indie developers put in their RPGs that you would like to see mm. more AAA devs adopt? And vice versa. What is something you wish more indie developers would do that is more common in AAA titles? So I think going back uh. to our discussion last week, um, one of the things I wish that more AAA RPGs would kind of like pull from kind of indie RPGs is we've seen a lot of indie RPGs be almost like satires or just be comedic RPGs. Um, something like Cosmic Star Home that we talked about last week or even something like Undertale. Mm-hmm where it doesn't like, you know, take it so too seriously, but you still, there's still emotion to all the characters that you, uh, that you feel for, for some of them in Undertale, but it's more of like a parody or, or more of like a comedic experience. And when mm-hmm. you look at AAA RPGs, a lot of them are, Hey, let's go. We got to go save the world for something. And we're a bunch of plucky teens and, or I'm a, yeah. I'm a main protagonist that has amnesia. I mean, how many times have we seen that Garrett? So too many. <laughs> so that's why, like, I would love to see kind of like, more AAA RPGs kind of explore like the same space that like Undertale or Cosmic Star Iron did where they're like, you know, more like silly games. Like, a, like I'd love to see like a AAA silly RPG and kind of see what that mm. looks like. Like, I think that would be really cool. Um, or another thing is a lot of indie RPGs are actually shorter than AAA RPGs. Like they, they're able yes. to kind of better manage their like t- their their better time management. And I'd love to see kind of that kind of go over to the AAA space. Not every RPG needs to be 100 hours, Garrett. I don't know if you knew this. Mm-hmm. But oh, really? Yeah. I didn't know that. I know. We could have we could have shorter RPGs. In fact, like, um, I remember uh, Elaine on the Xbox Empire. She talked about it a little bit this week because they talked about Persona very briefly. And I know she mm-hmm. talked about how, like, Persona 3 is her favorite Persona game because um, it's, like, the most, like, it's the most compressed version where it's it only takes like 40 yeah, hours to tight. finish um and it feels like it's the appropriate amount of time versus something like persona 5 which is just a bit of a time sink um so it is that's what i what, is. what i think about this what do you think about this question though garrett i i think of more along the lines of of the tightness as well because all these AAA rpgs they really want to make sure that um that you're investing your time right so that 60 dollar game is going to be um, at least a hundred hours for you. And it doesn't matter what kind of content it is. They'll throw fluff. They'll throw so many side quests. I'm, I'm just seeing this in general with like Monster Hunter stories too, mm. where I literally go through the motion of, okay, let me accept all these 30 side quests from this town. And of course I will incidentally, um, do some of them along the way. And it's just kind of like this grind a little bit. Mm. And I'm like, I wish these devs really put some thought into these side quests in general and make them tighter Mm -hmm. and a a, a better experience. Um, And I see that a lot in indie RPGs. Like you see Wargroove, their side missions are handcrafted and they're very well thought out. Um, The only game that I could think of that really thought about their side quests is Witcher 3 and even with that, there's a lot of fluff to it. There's a lot of question marks, a lot of treasures around there as well. So. I just would like to see that from a AAA dev is like, have some thought on all the extra fluff. See if you, I mean, you can cut it out. It's okay to be a 60 hour, 40 hour um, completionist RPG and we'll have probably the same amount of enjoyment or even more. Yeah. Um, that's, that's definitely it. I mean, it's something uh, we hear all the time from people where um, they're, they're really um, 
cautious about jumping into an RPG in general that they think they might enjoy because they think it might go too long. Like it might be too much of a time investment. Um, so mm-hmm. I think definitely like, you know, getting that under control, I think is probably for the best. And it's the same thing that like horror games have kind of gone through in recent times too. Yeah. Um, cause this is, um, it's fresh on my mind cause Sean and I talked about it this week when we were talking about the dead space remake getting announced. Cause like horror games yeah. in particular should only really be like less than 10 hours long to remain scary. Um, and anytime mm-hmm. they, they kind of pad out the experience, it just feels really rough. And RPGs can definitely feel that way too. Like they can feel, or, or like they can feel either overly grindy or, um, they feel like yeah. they just take forever or you're, you're sometimes you're wondering like, why am I even doing this? Like, why is this part even in the story? So yeah, like I, I, I think that's a really good point. Now on the other side of the coin, what is something we wish more indie developers would do more in common with AAA titles? Honestly, for mm. smaller RPGs or indie RPGs, when they decide to do games in 3D space, a lot of them will put them out, especially on con- on consoles like Switch, and not worry about frame rate or yeah, no. things like or, or or presentation details. And I think that's kind of the biggest thing that that I see with indie de- devs kind of where their games kind of fall flat. That I wish that they would put more time into performance. Where obviously with AAA games, they're more likely to make sure the game actually runs you know, smoothly or correctly. Um, whereas indie developers, I find like when they, especially what, like ones that explore 3d space, especially like some of these on switch or Vita, um, where they run it like 20 frames per second, <laughs> it's, yeah. uh, they could be a little bit rough, but I, I, I was kind of stumped for this question beyond that Garrett, because I don't know mm-hmm. how many elements, uh, um, because I, I think it's kind of unrealistic to ask, Oh, well just make your game look prettier or, or do like your design, like Persona five, like you can't really expect that on an indie budget. So that's true. What, what do you, th- what do you think about this? Do you have any ideas? Cause I'm out besides the, the performance ones. Uh, I really think a lot of indie RPGs, not like all of them, but most indie RPGs, they love to bring in pretty much all the elements from an existing AAA RPG. Okay. And it, and I'm, I'm not saying Cosmic Star Heroine or anything like that. I think it brings out its own uniqueness. I just wish indie RPGs is like, you are indie, try to make something a little bit more unique. Of course, you can borrow elements from previous RPGs, but make sure that your story is unique. Make sure that your elements are different enough, and but also fun, um, that you bring out a different experience. And I think it'll grab more people. It'll grab more players. I see so many indie uh, RPGs on the Switch that are straight up like, you know, f- a Shining Force or Fire Emblem clones yeah. or um, Neptunia remake, <laughs> uh, like like Idea Factory RPG that, oh, they're on sale for $2. And I'm like, I'm not wasting $2 on a clone. <laughs> that's just, I, 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 I don't care how. A clone that doesn't even play well, but that's the problem. Like, it not only is it yeah. a clone, but it's a clone that also isn't fun, which is never what you want. Yeah. Or never as fun as, yeah. like, what it's trying to rip off, right? So. Yeah, yeah. So that's my suggestion. It's like make sure you have a uniqueness to that indie RPG that sets it apart from the other games. Yeah. And I think it goes a long way, for sure. Man, Garrett, I'm so excited when we hit to like 200 episodes and we're like, like scraping the bottom of the barrel for ideas and we do a Neptunia episode. Like, am I just imagine <laughs> oh, no. a whole episode on Neptunia games, Garrett? Just idea fact. Oh, oh just idea fact. Oh, we're doing our first company episode in a couple of weeks. Maybe we switch it up for idea fact week, Garrett. Oh no! <laughs> Look what you've done. All right. Last question comes to us from Brendan Myers at the Winter Gamer on Twitter, and he asks, mm-hmm. "What are some great 
what are some game franchises that you would like to see take their own spin on a JRPG? So we've had similar questions to this one before, Garrett. Um, in fact, we had mm-hmm. one last week when we talked about kind of indie games and kind of what our indie game choices were. Um, like we talked about like yeah. Shantae and um, the one that you talked about last week that I'm blanking Shovel Knight. Shovel Knight, yeah. The one that I was like, man, yeah. I was like, please make that a real thing. Uh, we'd also talked about like licensed ones before as well. Like uh, I, I pitched that Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles RPG, which I thought would be fantastic. Mm-hmm. Um, so as far as what are some game franchises that we'd like to see take their own spin on, on the JRPG. So I thought of one, ju- a couple just now, actually they're both from Capcom, but I would love okay. to see, especially too, for this question, like I wanted to kind of stick with Japanese companies too, because obviously our, we're probably not going to get too many, you know, North American JRPGs, but you never know. I'm, I'm, I will go to you in a second, Garrett, but I want to stick with Japan for this one. Devil May Cry, I think, would make an interesting, an interesting yeah. JRPG uh, where you're battling demons. You can use like your your um, your uh, Devil Breaker powers and turn into a demon and stuff like that. It's like kind of your like super attacks and stuff like that. Um, and you have like Dante and Virgil and um, all the other characters kind of in your party. Like that would be that would be interesting. Uh, and then the other one that I thought of was Resident Evil. Like. Resident Evil surprisingly mm-hmm. has done an, a lot of experimentation as well, like the Mana series, but they've never mm-hmm. done a Resident Evil RPG like at all, which I think would be interesting as well, because especially the Resident Evil games, even though you're fighting zombies, there's also a wide range of enemies in the Resident Evil games. And just imagining what a, an RPG would look like, maybe like a, an action RPG or something like that, but not like. I don't know. It would be interesting. Like maybe a turn-based RPG might be better because I guess an action RPG would be like almost like a looter shooter or something like that. And I don't want it. It'd be like fantasy star or something like that. I don't want like a looter shooter Resident Evil game. Like, yeah, like something like fantasy star, I think would be really interesting for Resident Evil, especially again, there's a wide group of enemies that you could fight. um, And I think it would be cool as like a turn-based game of some kind, or even like a Resident Evil tactics game would be interesting too. Like you could probably do yes. something with that. I I, I was thinking XCOM like yeah. uh, RPG with Resident Evil. Yeah, I think that would be. Uh, that I would be, be down cool. with that. What about you, Garrett? What do you think about this question? Um, so I was originally thinking of Western games and like, okay, what could go into the JRPG genre? And what more and more I realize, it's like, well, I mean, they're their own games and their own styles. It's very hard to fit them into the JRPG genre. So I kind of like lean back into what you said, more Japanese and lots of style. And what I've realized, there are a lot of games that do cross over between JRPG and also fighting games. Yeah. In like 2D fighting games, 3D fighting games. There was a Dragon Ball uh, turn-based RPG or a couple of them. There was a whole bunch I of them actually, to- going all the way back to the Famicom. Yeah, yeah. So, like, I, I normally see them as, like, fighting games, but I would be totally down for an, a Dragon Ball RPG on the Switch or something like that. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I think of Naruto. I think of Street Fighter. Like, these type of games that they have their own set of characters and attacks and everything and set them into, like, either action-based or a turn-based RPG with, with a, like, a tight story, I think would do really really well mm-hmm. especially i think of naruto yeah and i think of uh of street fighter well with naruto for sure naruto is interesting because naruto is kind of um they, they did a, when naruto first came out they did like a lot of experimentation with that franchise as far as games were concerned and they tried a whole bunch mm-hmm. of stuff including they actually did two action rpgs for naruto on okay. the 360 uh naruto on rise the of a ninja and uh 
Naruto, the the the, the broken uh, pact, I think it was called. It was something like that. Oh, okay. Um, where they or the broken bond? That's what it's called. Where they were they were actually Ubisoft mm-hmm. RPGs, and they were just action RPGs. Interesting. They, they played from, very similar to something like Kingdom Hearts, which was interesting. Oh, okay. Uh, and they were okay. actually really fun. Like I really actually really like those games. Um, and then Dragon Ball, uh, to to your point as well, like they've had a ton of RPGs going all the way back, like I said, to Famicom. Um, and, and, and we didn't see most of those in North America, um, but those would be mm-hmm. really interesting. Although we did get Dragon Ball Z Kakarot, which is kind of an, Kakarot, RPG, yeah. an action RPG as well, but that's more of like this like Musou feeling experience too. Yeah, very Musou like, yeah. Yeah. So, um, just seeing like a more like traditional JRPG, I think would be interesting with Dragon Ball again, like maybe go back to the well, kind of like what they did with like Legacy of Goku on Game Boy Advance. Mm-hmm. Um, I think would be yeah. really cool. Um, uh, and then Street Fighter. Believe it or not, Garrett, I don't know. Did you ever play Project Cross Zone on the DS? No. Okay, so Project <laughs> Cross Zone was this collaboration between Sega, Capcom, and Bandai Namco. And they actually had characters from all of their games basically oh cross over in this uh, turn based strategy game. Very similar to, again, something like Advance Wars or Fire Emblem. Um, but you had like all the Street Fighter characters there. You had like Ryu nice. and Cammy uh, and Chun Li and a bunch of other Street Fighter characters crossing over with like characters from like um, uh, Xenoblade um, or characters like from like Sakura Wars or. Uh, <laughs> That's so weird. Yeah, like it was just really, really interesting. And also, I mentioned Resident Evil. There's also Resident Evil characters in these games. Uh, Dante's in it. It's just, yeah, it's a crazy set of games. They actually did two of them as well because they did Project Cross Zone 2 mm-hmm. on 3DS. Um, as well. I'm going to have to look this up. Yeah. I might have they're, to get this. They're really cool because they actually started as like a PS2 game that was just um, that was just uh, Sega and uh, Bandai Namco crossing over and they had like a bunch of the, the Tales series they, characters. They have a third like one too. Project Cross Zone 3 War of Infinite Worlds. Wow. I didn't realize yeah. that was a game. But yeah, so I just knew the first two. Like those those were the ones that I played. They were really fun. So if you ever want if you ever want to play the Street Fighter characters in an RPG Garrett, you can play Cross, Project Cross Zone. Um, but uh, but yeah, so going back to your point about a Street Fighter RPG, I think that would be interesting too because like they can yeah. do a lot of stuff with like kind of the move sets for the characters and maybe mm-hmm. see what they could do with that. Like also to your point with fighting games, like maybe they do like a Mortal Kombat like JRPG mm-hmm. or like a Blaze Blue. JRPG, I think would be really cool. Oh, that would be so cool, wouldn't or like it? Guilty like, Gear, like yeah, yeah, Guilty Gear, that would be legit. That, so. There'd be a lot of really cool ideas from that. So I think I think you're on to some good points, Garrett. But that'll be the end of this week's RPG cave. But before we go, Garrett, plugs go. Uh, you can follow me on Twitter at Bland Explosion, and you can follow me on Twitch whenever, if ever, I stream twitch.tv slash Bland Explosion. I'm also uh, co-host to the Nintendo Shack over at uh, Play Some Video Games Podcast Network. You can support them at patreon.com slash PSVG. Very nice, my friend. As for me, you can find me on Twitter at Ryan Turford. You also find us on Twitter at The RPG Cave, on YouTube at youtube.com slash Capri, and on podcast services around the globe, So for Garrett Bland, I'm Ryan Turford. This has been episode 11 of the RPG Cave, Mm -hmm. and we're out. Bye-bye.